0: welcome to the mma roadshow episode number 278 my name is john morgan cold coffee is back home in las vegas but hot tea is with me oscar willis from the mma award nominated the mac life is here with me on Fight Island and uh our our time is coming to an end on Fight Island but uh it's uh it's 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 good. We got a good fight this weekend and it's uh it's been a long journey but I feel like we're 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 finally starting to enjoy our time a little bit.
1: Yeah, definitely and it's uh it's a good one to go out on, you know. If maybe the main event wasn't so solid, you'd sort of be thinking, "Oh, just get me home, get me home." But listen, it's a great fight card, so I'm actually Excited you know when you work in this profession sometimes you can't be as excited for them all as you can right be for some um, But for this one I'm I, this card's good.
0: I wholeheartedly agree with that Alright, just to set the scene for everybody as as you know if you've been listening, you know where we are <laughs> We're at stills at the, at the crown pot. This has basically become the office uh, Basically, we, we I'm pretty sure we've been here every single day. I don't think there's been a day that we've missed No, maybe one
1: well, I, there was a day I wasn't going to come, and
0: then I was walking past. so I was like, "Oh, I'm just <sighs> going to well go. right. have so, one." <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so this is our spot, stills at the Crown Plaza, sipping on. Uh, we've had to switch over from Peroni's uh, to Tiger. Uh, you're actually having a Heineken. I'm, a I'm going with the. I'm going with the Tiger. I feel like you know, let's feel the uh, kind of Asian mm. vibe or whatever. <laughs> um, we thought for a brief moment that we'd actually drank them out of Peroni, but somehow they just randomly changed the happy hour. It was unhappy happy hour, and it's not because I guess. I don't know what the market climate dictated. <laughs> I like I, like we're in a bubble. How do you change a happy hour in the middle of a bubble?
1: Well, if we can't claim that we drank them out of it, we can claim that we were starting to, so they had to start limiting it. <laughs> Maybe that's, that's what a, it is, man. The law supply
0: and demand. Yeah. They're like, "Bro, we got to change the price d- on other that." other people
1: are drinking this too, guys, you know. <laughs> uh,
0: shout out by the way to the great Jay Garziulo who uh, hit us up. I was probably a little strong on his accent. I'm sure he doesn't do it quite that thick. <laughs> but Jay Gargiulio, uh, he, uh, he reached out and uh, said, hey, uh, I want to send uh, Peronies for you in hot tea. Uh, so he uh, hit me up on the Venmo, which was so awesome. Sent a, sent a couple bucks my way to, uh, to pay for us, and he actually had, had a shout-out for you, man. He's like, uh, man, um, he's like, these are Peronis for you in hot tea. Save a couple for our man cold coffee when you get back to Vegas. And I was like, wow. No guarantees there, man. you sending me money for frosty beverages. It's getting done. We'll try. And, and he <laughs> he said, no worries either way. He's like, I'm enjoying uh, Fight Island. Hot tea is always a great addition to the show. Thank you. Stay safe and stay cool. So it has been good. And listen, I will say before we get into the fights, we've had a great time since the last show, man. It had been a nonstop grind since we got here. You know, the first week was all about, uh, you know, getting our quarantine done, getting settled, getting the routine, uh, figuring everything out. And then the second week was obviously two shows, so it was literally media day way in fights, media day way in fights. It was, it was, it was, it was busy. Since then, we've had a couple days off, and man, I will say, uh, man, you, you've seen all the people bragging about how great this place is and how hospitable everybody is. It has been, man. It's been fantastic. We, we got to go to the racetrack uh, earlier this week, which was fun, and actually get out in some of the cars. We had a great time doing that. I actually posted a video uh, of my experience uh, on, uh, on the patreon.com slash which was fun, man, the, the laps inside the Aston Martin. And then yesterday – uh, we got a chance to to go have a nice team dinner, kind of, which was fun. The, the, the you know we kind of the PR team took us out for a meal and just said, hey, we just want to say thank you for being here. Let's have a dinner together. And you know where everybody's all in one place at the same time, and that was nice. <laughs> um, and then and then, uh, yeah, and, and but but prior to that, it was funny that we we got to go out and, and jump on the jet skis. And uh, man, that was fun. Being out on the water was fun, but it's so cool. Like, not only did we get to go on jet skis, it was, all right, jet skis, fine, right, jet skis, but it was so cool because. It rained on us at yep. first, which was awesome. It was weird because we were riding, and like, all of a sudden you could feel like this pain on your face. I'm like, why is the water all of a sudden just splashing me harder than it was? And we realized it was raining. So here we are in the middle of the desert. It's raining on us. I'm like, how cool is that, man? We're on the water while it's raining. And then a huge dust storm blows in, and we could see the cloud coming, man. Yeah, we could yeah. see the edge. It was ominous. It was like a movie, right? Like You could <laughs> literally like see the edge of the cloud like approaching. And, you know, as, as you do... Uh, rather, than, rather than go into the dock and uh, and say, hey, we'll let this pass. Uh, you know, I'm basically an idiot. And I was like, we got to go that way. Let's <laughs> check it out. Let's see what it's like. But we went. So we rode into the middle of this dust storm, uh, me, you, Scott Peterson from MMA Weekly. And, man, it was so cool to see the whole thing kind of envelop us and, then all of a sudden, like, you can't see the sun anymore. Like, at first, the sun was white, which was crazy. I was like, look, it's white. And then all of a sudden, like, you couldn't see it at all. Then, and then, then then we started realizing, like, visibility was getting pretty low. <laughs> and I was like, well, at least I can see the shore right there. Let's make sure we stay close to the shore. Make sure it stays on your left. And and then at that point, they sent somebody to come get us to say, what are you idiots out there doing, dude? You can't yeah. see anything. <laughs> I really
1: like the idea of them going, oh, well, there's a sandstorm coming in, so these three will come in. And then watching us all sit, <laughs> talk on the jet skis, and then drive off towards it. I'm sure the guy was like. No, no, no. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> it's true because we sat there and convened, and I'm sure they're like, oh, I, bet they're, I bet they're realizing this isn't smart. They'll come back yeah. this way. And me being me, I was like, bro, we got to go. How many times are you going to be on a jet ski in Abu Dhabi in a sandstorm? Like, let's go roll into it and see what it's like. And by the way, it was funny. As soon as we rolled into it, I'm like, yeah, you know what? A sandstorm has a lot of sand in it. Like, all of a sudden, this is like sand in your eyes. It's interesting riding a jet ski
1: completely blind. It's actually interesting. (laughs) Uh, By the way, I just checked. It rains nine days a year here. So wow. we got very, really, very hit, really hit the odds there. And I also, just to address the little sort of snigger we made about the media John it was very nice. It was just perhaps a little bit heavy for John and myself. <laughs>
0: yeah, you know, we, we, we may have gone a little, we may have gone hard a little early. We may have pre-gamed a little, a little heavy because we, we, we did the jet skis and then we went to the, I mean, you're on the beach already. You might as well hang out there. Ball right so there. right
1: it. there. What are they gonna do? They're gonna do nothing. They They've the had to quarantine they for 14 custom. days to yeah.
0: have somebody to serve, and there's nobody there. Like it's so insulting. I, I, I would. I'm, I'm sure they were like, "Please let us come." You know, like we're, this is our duty. Yeah. You could tell by the fourth one, he was happy <laughs> that we were there. <laughs> no, we may have pre-gamed a little bit hard, but man, it's it's been a fun time. It's you, great. You know, you're
1: pre-gaming pretty hard when. I was like, right, let's have a shower and we'll get one in before the bus comes in ten minutes. And then I text you. I was like, I'm on the way to the bar. He's like, I've already here and I've already ordered you one. Let's go. And we just, oh man! Yeah, completely unnecessary. we were we we're being children for a
0: night. We were being children for a night, but it was nice to have that. Now we're back to work. Uh, I mean, still with frosty beverages, of course, but we're basically back to work. Yeah. Um. And, and as you said, man, this this fight in the main event, you'll see on ESPN 14, of course, uh, the last of the of the fight island stretch. We know we'll be back in September, October, but the last for now. Um, I will be honest with you, I think just maybe because the journey was so long, and there were so many fights, and obviously you had the pay-per-view, which was huge, you know, you had a couple fights, I wasn't looking to this card as much, man, I think I wasn't considering this card as much, but I tell you what, man, now that it's here, Robert Whitaker versus Darren Till is an incredibly, incredibly intriguing fight, man, and and uh, I, I I just feel like it's and I, I hate to say crossroads fights because I kind of talked about that with Kelvin Gaston the other day but but I do feel like there's question marks around both men and where they stand and where their journey is going to go and stylistically it just looks like a banger but in terms of what it means for each man as well this is an intriguing fight it's it's a crazy
1: fight it really is and it you know we, we've sort of been talking all week about like well is it a crossroads fight because I think Darren is at a place now where he beat Kelvin. Um, and he beat Cowboy, and he beat Stephen Thompson. But, you know, there's almost like asterisks around the Thompson and the, the Kelvin one. Right. And so he really, I think, to solidify himself as, I deserve another world title, it wasn't all hype. He needs a great performance here, you know. He needs to be competitive at the very least. But, I, you know, if he beat Rob Whitaker, that's your, 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 your top-tier talent. Yep. I, I I find it interesting as well that maybe we could be seeing Darren hit middleweight and have this crazy career resurgence like Rob Whitaker did himself. You know, Correct. They, they killed themselves to get to 170. Correct. I don't think this has really been addressed anywhere, but uh, a few months ago, Darren Till did a podcast with Eddie Hearn, the promoter, and he admitted he went blind in the wake up for Mazador. Again, like we know about the Stephen Thompson one, but he, he said... I didn't know that. Yeah, I, didn't, I missed that. He said, I, you know, I went blind when the weight cut. I cut 22 pounds overnight or something like that. Wow. And, and so, you, yeah, I'm sure you can get knocked out after that, you know? So I'm That's curious crazy. to see... The Kelvin one, we know he had no confidence. So I'm curious to see if is this middleweight thing, like, actually, oh, my God, he's going to be a killer at middleweight. Because it happens, right? For Rob, obviously, the argument, that the talk is, how is he going to come back from losing a title? Pretty... Badly. You know, right. he got, got starched. Yeah. Not starched, but, you know, he got beaten up. And um, I have to say, we spoke to the guys at the media day earlier this week, and he seemed to be doing everything and saying everything you want a guy who had a bit of personal problems and, and took a hiatus to be doing. He yep. seems
0: happy to be here. I completely agree with that. In fact, uh, l- let's not even waste any time on that. Let's just jump into it because I thought these interviews uh, were good. And, and we mentioned it. You know, they did they did something different for this week. They, they did media day on Tuesday. All the fighters were already here. Um, so they went ahead and did it early in the week. They said, let's just get these obligations out of the way. It's easier on the athletes. It's easier for you guys as media. You'll actually have some, some free time. Um, so they were in great spirits because they weren't into the weight cut mode. As you said, obviously, Till not cutting near as much as he used to. And, and, and Whitaker, same thing. And obviously, he's been at middleweight for a long time. Till looks a lot leaner, I will say. I, I was going to mention that. Even though he's at middleweight, so I think he looks leaner now than he did when he was a welterweight. I
1: think I, maybe it's like less water or something. But I, even not, I spoke to him, his face is like pretty pretty. I sl- thought the li- same thinning.
0: thing. I thought the same thing. All right, listen. This. let's start out with rob whitaker uh because as you said you know the question marks around him uh he stepped away from the sport you know he, and, and I, we, look we all knew it wasn't a real retirement so to speak we knew he was just taking some time um but what was going to be like when he came back and man i, I gotta say uh, over the top man i thought i thought as you t- touched on man all the right things all the right ways so here's uh here was rob whitaker uh from earlier this week well, I know this is a much different fight week than any other fight week, um, but kind of back in the routine again, back in the field. What, what does it feel like being back? It feels good. You
2: know, it feels really good. I was, uh, I was hungry. I've been hungry. It's, uh, that break I had was exactly what I needed. It lit a fire in me. It brought the enjoyment and the happiness back in what I do because a lot of people don't realize that the, the fight itself is 15 to 25 minutes. You know, it's every other day, it's a training, every hour you spend in the gym, that's the rest of life. And that's what I had to come to groups with, I had to start enjoying again. And uh, having that break and just being away from the game and away from the training, away from the gyms, it just lit that fire, reinvigorated me.
0: Nice. Was there like a day or a moment that you were like sitting at home and you're like, I'm ready to get back in there? Like what clicked that you're like, okay, now's the time?
2: It's, uh, it was kind of like a, it's like a craving, and it was like a craving, because I was keeping away from the, myself away from the gyms, the thoughts of fighting, because like I said, when I left the game, I didn't leave the game, but like when I, when I took a step away, they asked like, when I come back, I was like, I don't know, let's see. Um, and then it started off like a craving. It just started like getting worse and worse and worse. And then there reached a point where I was like, nah, I have to get back to work. This is what I was meant to do. This is what I was put on this planet to do. I'm sure of it. And, uh, and then yeah, and then I, I started speaking with, to the team and um, telling them how I feel, the problems that I had that led me here in the first place, and just that open dialogue and communication, we worked out the best system, and here I am, happy as Larry.
0: That's what I was going to ask you. So, is there like a change of approach now? That like, okay, here's what I got to do to make sure that never happens to me again. You know, this is this is the way we're going to handle things.
2: Honestly, the just the the open dialogue, you know, the more the open communications is is just massive. You know, being able to. Tell them how I'm feeling and get feedback. Like, um, like I'm not feeling this session, or why I'm not feeling this session. Like just that, just to be able to, 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 to talk like that is just massive. You know, it's, it's done wonders for me.
0: That's nice. Uh, the matchup itself, you know, coming back. Till, what, what do you think about stylisticity On paper, I think people are pretty excited about it. Yeah. Did you think it was going to be a fun one when they gave you the name?
2: Yeah, it should be a cracker. You know, we're both going to go out there, going to headhunt. Should be fun.
0: Yeah. Uh, everybody's getting used to fighting in front of no crowd, right? Yeah. But for you especially, last time out there was 57,000 people, yeah. right? Now, now zero. What's uh, man? What's the difference in that type of situation?
2: Mate, I. <clears throat> that doesn't bother me too much. Like, I. The thing is, I'm just happy to be fighting overseas. <laughs> like I, I, I've fought a lot in Australia, and I love fighting there. You know, all my f- f- fans and friends are there. But uh, but I've done it a lot. There's a lot of things that surround it. A lot of lot of media obligations. A lot of lot of hype building. And nothing gets bigger than our last one, <laughs> and the way it came crashing down. You know what I mean? So um, just to be able to just you know experience, as well as a huge draw for me with this with with this career, if you would, is that. I got to travel the world. I got to, for work, I got to visit exciting places. I got to fight in front of different crowds. I got to experience a side of life people can't. And, you know, granted, it's a little restricted right now, but it's it's good. It's it's really good. This is why I signed up. I wanted to come to places like Abu Dhabi. Yeah,
0: well, it's awesome. You can definitely see your your happiness back, man, which is great <laughs> to see. Uh, what you think, I mean, where do you go from here? Are you thinking about that? Because obviously, you know, your status in the sport. I think everybody views you as a top contender. But are you thinking about championships and titles, or would you rather not have to think about that stuff?
2: Yeah, well, I'm not, I'm not worrying about it at all. Because a huge thing for me is just that I'm just enjoying the game. I'm enjoying the sport. I'm enjoying the gym. Because people view me as a top contender because I am a top contender, and I'm one of the best in the world. And uh, I'm still only 29, And I think a lot of people forget that as well. So uh, I I have enough time to walk away from the game and just train skill sets and come back a later time. I I have the, honestly, the the world is my oyster where I'm sitting. And I guess my biggest thing is uh, like, I just want to enjoy it and earn a living. You know, and that's it. And as a team and as a family, we're we're doing it together. So gotta be happy with that. Rob, do you think
1: because you had that burnout before, if you started feeling like that again, you'd be able to spot it way in
2: advance. hundred or... percent. I think that's a, the thing with those sort of, uh, I don't know what, what you'd call it, but those, those things like burnout and overworking and, 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 and those mental stresses, if you would. It's, they happen generally pretty bad the first time, and then, but then you're, you're aware of it. If you deal with it properly, you're aware of it. You're aware of the symptoms leading up to it. You know, it, it becomes a, like you, you it's very hard for it to happen again.
1: You're obviously known as like one of the hardest workers, especially in training in the sport. Do you think perhaps that environment with the guys you're working with, you can't really turn around to them and be like, "Guys, I need like a slow week this week." Do you think that perhaps contributed to that?
2: Yeah, maybe. I, I think, I think certainly that the, the 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 way I was working before, like just the the lack of open dialogue, I guess, was may have been a symptom. But it, it's hard to say because the roller coaster I've been on in the last five years has been crazy. The changes and the ups and the downs and just the it's not just the fights I've won, which, you know, there were some. It's, uh, it's, it's, the, um, it's the lifestyle changes that occurred with it as well. So I had three kids in, my, in the last five years on top of that. I've moved house four times. My lifestyle has changed from when I started to, to where I am today. Drastically. You know, I went from a housing commission kid to someone owning their own house. That... that it's massive things like that. And like I said, the fight is 15 to 25 minutes. It's everywhere else you have to deal with that you have to live with.
1: Yeah, I remember reading a story. There's a, like some dunes you used to run up, right? And you were mm. up on Christmas <coughs> Day. Yeah.
2: cut out the Christmas Day <laughs> uh, Yeah, definitely. I will never train on Christmas Day again. Trust me.
1: Darren Till was a guy you wanted to fight. I remember when he beat Kelvin. Yeah. You were saying, "I like, oh, got to fight that guy." I love it. What exactly is it about him that you want to fight
2: him for? Just looks fun, you know. On paper, like we, we just look good. You know, he he goes out there head hunting. He's got good striking. I go out there head hunting. I got good striking. It's uh, it just looks like a fun fight, you know.
1: Can you confirm you did more training for this than just chips and dips?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. No, nah, honestly, I, I was I was in the gym when when I wrote that because I don't trust him and he doesn't trust me. You know, as cordial as we've been, and it's good to be like that because I think I think you should be cordial. Like uh, I think we should set role models for, for other people. Um, I don't, like, yeah, I don't trust him as far as I can throw him. You know what I mean? After he said chips and dips, I trained twice as hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's. Like and I hope I hope he believes me. <laughs> I hope he didn't train because I trained my absolute ass off, and uh, I'm gonna come in there. Very very good man.
1: He uh, he said that you know fighters traditionally say oh, they want to fight the best version of the opponent. He's like no I'd rather fight the worst Robert Whitaker. Yeah.
2: I I hope he breaks his leg on the way in, <laughs> and then I'll fight him with a broken leg. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right so there he was rob whitaker uh jovial man jovial uh, having a good time enjoying it um and and so so many things he touched on first of all the 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 part that i've always tried to stress to people and i'm sure you know hardcores understand but the fight really is the easiest part of of what they do the fight is the fun part, as crazy as that sounds, being in a cage with another man trying to, you know, knock you out, do physical damage to you. The the fight is the, the most fun part and the easiest part. It's everything around it, and he said it right off the top. He did use the term happy as Larry, which I was not familiar with. I you didn't know, know that, that, is that, is that a bri- so yeah, that's yeah. a commonwealth
1: thing? Yeah, massively. Yeah. Okay,
0: so I, I didn't know if that was an Australian thing or a commonwealth thing, so I, no, yeah. I don't think I've heard happy as Larry really? before. That's yeah. very, very common. Uh, no one knows who Larry is and why he's so fucking cheerful. But so so <laughs> we don't actually know who There's Larry no is? There's no Larry, it's oh, just okay, happy okay. as Larry. I think it was what would we say i'm happy as a – I think we say like happy as a lamb that sounds stupid yeah i've heard that do we say that i've heard that that's dumb i think happy as larry's better in there fact go. i'm going to push we go happy as larry for now happy there as larry so uh but, but you know uh, the, the thing i think that also he he really touched on as well was um how much pressure is put on him when he fights in australia you know he became that guy and it's so interesting to see right i mean and obviously again another interesting i mean this kind of became Till is the face of Liverpool and obviously an English star. But it's so interesting how that works, right? Like, you try to identify the local talent. You try to, you know, look at the the hype that like Munir Laziz got the other night, being the Abu Dhabi guy or the the UAE guy, right? And you want that because you want the crowd to – to, to, to tune in and be like that's my guy that guy looks like me that guy sounds like me that guy represents me that's what you want that's when you really buy in and, and even Dana White said it the other night because I think a local reporter was like hey do you feel like the, yeah, the yeah, crowd will yeah, take yeah. off he's like oh wait till we get like a champion for him. and it's true I mean look at the way you know the Brazilian market exploded uh, you know with Anderson Vitor well,
1: you can see how they market their guys right so they market Rob as Mr. Australia but they don't do Volkanovski as Mr. Australia right like they don't because they, he's been fighting Holloway over here and stuff so, so they haven't really pushed that but you can, you can see the difference in what they try to do with their marketing,
0: and it's and it's understandable, and it's fair, but then what Committing. comes along with it is now since you're that guy, like you're doing every morning talk show, every every local TV, like every, like the 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 weight on it, the weight for any champion or any. High level fighter is big. I mean, obviously, you know, we all want to talk to the headliners. We all want to talk to the main eventers. Um, I mean, gosh, Conor McGregor. You know, I think. I mean, think about how much he had to do on the rise up. Now he's a little bit untouchable because he's a, you know superstar. But you think about when you're literally doing everything because you're the guy that they want to speak to. And and Rob, that Rob that we just heard in the beginning, I, Rob, you could tell he just. Did, hated media, didn't like doing it, didn't enjoy it at all on the on the rise up, didn't like it, didn't see the point of it. And then I think on the rise he started to realize, okay, hold on. Like these people aren't all out to get me. You know, I can actually help promote myself. I can help, you know, promote my brand, all that good stuff. And he started to have a little fun with it. But then at the end, you know, as he reached his peak when he's doing every interview, every you know, he's a guy I think it just wore on him so much and uh man it's it's nice to see like kind of back where he is right now I
1: think Rob Whitaker is a very intense human being especially when he, the fights near you know when it, that's why I said it's remarkable he was in such a good mood the other day he's very very intense and you you see that with every stare down and stuff and I think it's very hard for him to not carry that intensity into every interview right and so that's a lot of long time prolonged periods of time to be very focused and intense and gritty you know and I think that gets tiring man we heard Holloway Holloway's like oh, look the the only thing that's different about being a champion is the more media stuff. Yep. They always mention the media, and while well, I like to think we can do a decent enough job of having a nice conversation with some people. I'm sure I would like, you know, it's just taxing. Yeah, it's just like, oh, well, fucking god. And know? I just
0: don't—I don't think people realize like just how much it is. And again, of course, questions are repetitive, and it's just—it's just your time, man. It's just your time, and probably like a, a fear of just like you're going to accidentally say something wrong or accidentally say something done that gets you skewered. You well, know, we'll
1: put it this way: so Darren Till came to us at eight fifteen for an thing, did it 15 minutes with us then he had to go speak to like the commentators for like another 30 minutes then he had to go and do a facebook uh, two two like Skype interviews that took 30 minutes then he had to wait for the facebook live thing which took another like 30 minutes then i was there to bother him to get one <laughs> with <him. laughs> so you know so that guy just did 2 hours of probably saying the same thing
0: over and over to, and over to
1: multiple people and he's tired as shit anyway because his sleep schedule's all fucked up Yep. You know, that's just so. So, it's when your experience is at best not unpleasant, right? That's the best thing. Like, uh, your best experience as a fighter with media is like, that was fine, <laughs> you know? <laughs> that so
2: wasn't the
0: worst part in yeah, my day.
1: So, if that's the best you can have, no wonder half of them leave it and go, God, never want to do that again.
0: By the way, your sell to get him for a one on one was, I promise not to talk about MMA, right? Yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which and just goes to show where yeah, they stay like yeah,
1: exactly. he said I like that we'll do that So I
0: was like, "Okay, <laughs> That works. That's awesome, man. Uh, by the way, last thing on ride Whitaker, I love out again. Just I love him, he's like I'll fight him with a broken leg I, You know he, I hope he breaks his leg on the I li- way to the cage.
1: I like that one and I like I'm built for quarantine
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing man. It's so good. And it's funny, man I, I, I You know, you were the one that asked that question about that and it's so true man when we, I want I want to face the best version of that guy Hell with that, dude. I want to yeah. face the worst, dude. Yeah, I hope he I sucks that night. I, that's the way I'd be. So it's good. All right, listen, uh, I should say, by the way, if you like what you're hearing, make sure you're doing us a favor. Wherever you listen to podcasts, I use uh, Apple iTunes. Uh, make sure you're logged in. If you can subscribe, that would help us out a lot. If you can rate us, review us. We like that. Five stars is always good. Feedback is always good on the reviews. We appreciate the positive, but we'll take the negative as well. And if you want to take your game up to the next level, you head on to patreon.com slash the Show. Building a nice little community over there. Enjoy everybody that supports us for as little as three dollars a month. Uh, you can get everything that we produce, including the exclusive and a half post-fight <laughs> shows, which are impaired. I think I think they're great to be honest. Man, you're getting instant reaction. You're getting some of the audio from the uh, the post-fight, so you don't have to sort through it all on your own. We're usually drunk. We're usually drunk <laughs> here. It's like it, we're, we're we're just half out of our minds because it's like ten thirty in the morning. Yeah. We've been up all night, so it's been a real experience here. Uh, we definitely appreciate that. For instance, I, I posted my my, uh, my race lap video. If, if not, sign up so you can see what the Yas Marina Circuit looks like yeah. uh, from the position of my uh, car in the Aston Martin. You can do that. So, uh, shout out to uh, to recent additions to the crew: Brian, Saul, Lucas, and Goonbag. I'm so happy that I know a man that is willing to support me, and the only thing I know to refer to him is Goonbag. I've always liked G Bag. He's a good guy. He's <laughs> a good man. Old goonbag <laughs> G-Bag, Master General. All right, let's talk about Darren Till, man. You touched on it because I thought the same thing, man. I thought he looked lean. I was like, wow, this is is interesting. And he is saying the right things, too, right? Like, I do feel like this is a big moment for Darren Till. In the same way that, you know, Rob Whitaker, you could tell he was burned out, you could tell the passion wasn't there. And so you wondered, you know, where he would continue to go. Now it feels like it's back. It feels like he's hungry again. It feels like that that guy that beats on his chest. you Dad, know. And it feels like they got Darren Till, same way. And, and Darren Till's been open about it the whole way, um, about, you know, hey, I, I was on this rocket ship and then I lost my confidence. I thought I was unbeatable. Uh, and then I got knocked down a peg or two. But I'm back and I'm doing the right things. And he's an interesting character, too, because – he is – I mean, he's, we like him because he's funny, right? I mean, obviously the, the Scouser accent is just funny as it is, right? Just the, the, <laughs> just the Liverpool – Funny know, or
1: ridiculous. You know, I can't be
0: sure. One of the two. It's, it's just funny as it is. Um, but he's a character on top of that. So, he, I, you know, he personifies kind of what we think of. Um, but, you know, you wonder, okay, is he just going to laugh and joke his way through this or is there real talent there that he's committed to? And, uh, man, in talking to Darren Till, I feel like – and again, I mean, what person is going to tell you like, "Mate, I just, you know, I didn't even train for this thing, dude." Like, I just, I'm just here for a paycheck. Nobody's going to say that. But I feel like we talk to enough people where you can tell when it's earnest and when it's not.
1: I feel like he's in a good spot. He is, man. He is, and he he was very. Look, I think one thing if you want to describe it is it was so self-aware, which is pretty rare amongst fighters. In fact, in fact, to be a great fighter, I think you have to lack self-awareness. You have I agree. to just completely believe it. I don't think that's going to hinder him or anything like that right. but um, I was really that's the thing I enjoy most about him is he's so self-aware and he's so honest about where he believes he is um, it's very refreshing I yep. re- really enjoy him for that um, the comedy stuff is just fun on top of it but yeah man he knows he knows like this is a big thing for him He's and he even said you know how many, I'm going to knock him out in the first round he was like you know if I can beat Rob which is a big ask but if I can beat him that's he knows like I they both complement each other so well in that way. In fact, I really hope we get like some picture of them drinking a beer afterwards because I, be- be nice. I believe they, they sort of warrant it with each other. You know, yep. it, sort of, it sort of would be a full circle on the whole friendly enemy thing. I like that. But Darren is—I uh, have to believe he's—he knows the opportunity because everyone knows he got the Woodley fight way too early. Sure. He even admitted he was way too cocky yep. about it. I—I don't know if this is fair to report, but I'm pretty sure he just didn't. He didn't even hit pads before he went out and fought with that he was so cocky, and that's what, that's what I heard is like he just was like, yeah, no will f- we'll do this, yeah, i will be fine that's crazy, yeah, so um actually some of them do do that, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, he uh, yeah, apparently he just thought it was just in the bag already, and i the guy I saw yesterday uh Tuesday was like yep, yeah, this is going to be a fight, and I've got to win it." And I think he's—I mean, I don't know—he just looks dialed in. I guess is what I said I say. agree,
0: man. Dialed in is the right way. All right, let's uh, l- let's you guys hear a little bit of that, so you can hear what we heard. This is uh, this is what Darren Till had to say. So
3: Darren is it frustrating <sighs> to
0: have to take time away from social media to do all this kind of stuff. It's funny, <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, it's been be a
3: while. It's different as well.
0: Yeah. What's the feeling of this fight? I mean, here you are—you know—back in a in, in a headlining, you know, big fight has a lot of implications in division, man. I know it's been a little while since you had a chance to fight. So what's the what's the emotion like right now?
3: Uh, I, I'm just trying to. I, I, I'm just trying to, It's all new. I'm just trying to take it in my stride. You know, I don't know what to expect. Uh, fighting without no crowd. Uh, you know, it's weird because it's obviously the world's in shutdown and the UFC have done everything in their power to get us earlier. So I'm just. I, I haven't even spoken about the fight. I haven't even thought about the fight. I'm just with Team Carbon every day. The lads who are fighting. We're just enjoying. We're just enjoying it. There's no way. Uh, there's no real concern about all of us cutting weight or anything, we're, you know, we're eating good, we're, we're living good, so we're just, we're just taking it day by day. We haven't even spoken about the fight, we're just training and living.
0: Yeah. What'd you think about your last performance? Because obviously that was a big win for you, right? But I thought the narrative for a lot of people was like, well, Calvin looked flat, you know what I mean?
3: Do you, is that? No, I, I took Calvin to school. It was, school was in session and, okay, yeah, it might have been a little bit uh, boring for a lot of people watching, but if you if you know too, too, through martial arts and through striking, I just nullified Kelvin like no-one could ever do and, you know, with my debut I was obviously a little bit cautious and obviously I've always spoken about coming off them two losses my confidence was a little bit knocked but, you know, as soon as I got in there and felt myself, I just took him to school and, you know, yeah, maybe he was flat but you can't say things like that because then I can come out and say, well, this happened and my loss and that loss, at the end of the day I just took Kelvin to school and that's all there is to it and I will take him to school again if we ever fought again.
0: Did it bring the confidence back? Because you said, man, you were riding high, and then you know things changed. Did this was that enough to kind of reinstill back to where you were in that position before?
3: It, it brought a humble confidence back. You know, uh, I'm building on it. You know, I. Uh, w- it was weird because throughout all my life, I was just I felt like Superman. I felt invincible. I, I, you know, wherever I went in the world, I'd win, and I'd win anywhere. And then in the UFC, same thing, just win win everyone, and then just, boom, boom, knock, knock. And, uh, you know, it knocked me, it did knock me a lot, but I've, I've learned a hell of a lot. And I know this is a cliche thing to say, what well, a lot of fighters, you know, I I have proper matured, not even as a fighter, just as a person.
0: It's interesting because the term humble confidence, man, I, I like that. Is that is, is that something that you guys have focused on instilling, or is that just been kind of...
3: No, you know, we... Uh, I just say words <laughs> just <to> get, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> uh, me, you know. me you know my girlfriend actually she says this on a daily basis and uh, I'm sure Collins, my coach has said it a few times. I'm a walking contradiction, so it's 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 weird like I've got OCD and I, if anyone comes to my house, it's top tip shape. There's not a glass out of place. And then when I go to hotels, I'm throwing tiles everywhere. <laughs> I'm pissing on balconies. So, you know, that's just me, a walking contradiction. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's fantastic. So, so what do you think about this matchup itself? I mean, I said you haven't talked a lot about the fight, but I mean, a former champion, obviously a guy that has a lot of respect in the game. Uh, I mean, does this excite you at all as a big fight?
3: Yes, of course. Uh, if I beat Robert Whittaker Saturday night, the the only way to go is is to the title i have come at middleweight and a lot of people say he's, he's only had two fights but look at my two fights this is why for every young fighter out there or for every fight in ufc who sometimes may turn down fights you gotta take these big risks because they'll pay off so i didn't campaign for a title shot after i i beat stephen thompson in liverpool because it didn't fight quite feel i deserved it but now if i beat robert whittaker Saturday, which is a big ask And a big mountain to climb, you know, the only fight for me, you know, I say Israel, Adesanya a lot, but, you know, them two, him and Costa are scheduled to fight. The only, the only fight for me is a title fight.
0: So you got Jack Hermanson who just won, who said he figures the winner of this fight makes sense for him. Do you you believe that he has a case at at a fight with you?
3: Of course, he has a case if I beat Whittaker, but he'll have to, he'll have to wait his turn. I'm not looking backwards, and I'm sure at some point we're all going to meet each other, me, Jack, and all these guys who are calling me out, I beat Whittaker the, the only name I want to hear coming out of anyone's mouth is Israel Adesanya. That's that's all I want to hear. Yeah.
0: Last thing for me, Rob was here earlier and he has a lot of respect for you. He said he knows you're, you're training hard no matter what you're saying. He knows you're training <laughs> yeah. hard and he's expecting But he does say, listen, I think I'm just better everywhere. He's got a big left hand, but I think I'm better everywhere. What, what do you think about that statement? Of course,
3: would you expect him to say anything else? It's, it's the same question when people ask, you know, do you think you're gonna win? What do you want me to say? No, it, of course he's gonna say that, and he should say that, and I should say the opposite that I'm better everywhere. And, but I'm not like that. I, I think Rob is potentially probably more of a seasoned wrestler. I think he's a little bit better than that department, jiu-jitsu wise. I don't know. Uh, Striker wise, he ain't got. He ain't got a. He ain't even close to the level. But I'm saying that you know he could come in and show me something new. But boom, boom, so that's how it is. He's meant to say that. Would you expect him to say anything else? Darren, it's been funny
1: watching you and Rob. You're going kind of compliment each other. I mean, you said you would like to, you would like to fight the worst, Rob, and then he was here earlier saying, "Well, I hope he breaks his leg on the way to the octagon." <laughs> it's been uh, it's been an interesting thing watching you guys. Is it nice to just come in and fight a guy that you know
3: is sort of similar to you? Yeah, it, it is, but it it doesn't make a difference. Uh, you want beef, you're gonna get beef, and you want nice, you're gonna get nice. I, I'm, that, I'm that guy, you know. Uh, I won't try to build something that's not, like, how can I build animosity with Rob, who, who I genuinely be, believe is just a nice guy? You know, how can I do that? So as I've said to you all the time, he's always gonna get honesty, and every, the whole fan, fan base is all gonna get honesty from Till. So, you know, I'm not gonna try to build anything that isn't. We're both nice people to each other, We've had a laugh on on social media so that that's just how it is but whether whether i like it or i don't like it i'm still going to try and annihilate you and i do that to my teammates so imagine what i'm going to do to someone who's not my teammate and i'm sure he's going to do the same so it's just i'm not even thinking about the fight i'm talking about it now i'm still not even thinking about it i'm just want to clack on with this week and fight and then go on it seems appropriate to ask you then on the basis of that answer about my perry i mean obviously you know, everyone's always asking me about perry but
1: i was interested Andrews, going, You said you never wanted to talk about the spa with you because you felt that you should stay behind closed
3: doors. But then he broke that and said that he beat you in the spa and <laughs> you left fans wondering now. Do you want to give us honesty nah. give your version? I don't roll like that. My coach instilled a few things in me. Not a lot of stuff I listen to. I <laughs> go, of course, but I don't. I don't need to talk about that spa. If he's insecure and feels he needs to, to say he beat me. you know it's okay and I'll still sit here and say I I don't mind the guy you know he's obviously been offended by what I've done and I'm obviously you know uh, I should be charging him rent because I'm living on his head you know he he owes me a few quid so get it paid uh, but it is what it is Uh, I gave Mike Perry a lot of I've given him a lot on social media and a lot of people have took notice because of me so I'm not going to talk about him too much because he's getting you gonna have more followers than me soon. are <laughs> gonna
1: make the websites
3: for him. You know? <laughs> I didn't make that website. To be totally truthful, I made the an Instagram, and then some fan must have made the the website that I put on on the bio, and now it's fucking famous as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I think before you came here, I heard you talking a couple of times
2: about the heat being an issue. But actually, I can tell you, I haven't been here. It's not that
1: hot in the arena at all. Mm-hmm. So, what's it like dealing with the time?
3: Uh, The time's been a little bit of a struggle. Uh, This morning was the first time we sort of tried to switch my body clock to get ready for fight time around five, six o'clock. But, you know, once I'm up, I'm up, I'm I'm ready to fight whatever time. But yeah, I think it it is important to to get that all. It's late, so, I mean, it's not even late, it's early, it's it's on like six, six, seven o'clock, so... In the morning, so yeah, I'm gonna have to really, you know, get used to that this week. But I'm sure that, I'm sure we'll do it. And you know, I've been training that time, and I've been training overnight, so it's okay. And last one for me, I
1: saw in a piece of BT Sports that you think you do better when the pressure's on, basically when things aren't yeah. going that great for you. Is that a nice thing to know that I have the strong character that I can thrive even in tough situations?
3: Yeah, eh, uh, my girlfriend will know this better than anyone. I, I don't know what it is about me. I, I like to feel, uh, I don't know. But I like to feel hurt. I like to feel down on myself. Like I don't know if I should say this, but I like to feel like a piece of shit. Cause if you the if you're the furthest down, you can't get no more down. It's only do you know what I mean? So I like to be. I don't know. I just like to be a proper underdog and all against me. So when I prevail, you know I can sort of look back and be like, don't even have to say anything. So it was like that for you know when I when I when I sort of broke into the world when I be cowboy. And you know, I felt like it was like that against uh, Gaslam because I was the favorite going into the title fight with Woodley, and I was the favorite against Maslow And then, you know, I felt like it was like that going into the fight with Gaslam. And I, I don't know now. I, I think it's sort of fifty-fifty with me and Rob But I've just put myself in that in that mentality for the you know for this fight, and you know, I hope I hope it goes well for me on Saturday. <laughs>
0: All right there he was. Always fun, Darren. Till uh, first thing I'll point out about that audio, you can really hear the cars in the background of that one. That's <laughs> that. As you said, he was later at night. He was the last availability that we had uh, at that time. The sun had gone down, so that's when the the racetrack really opens up and people get out there on the cars. And it's funny now that we've actually been on the racetrack and we've gotten in the cars, where that media room is in, in uh, that they're hosting the interviews at the W is literally the worst place on the track yes. you could possibly go. And I don't, I mean, obviously if you've seen it, the the hotel is over a section of the track, so I don't know if there's really any great place for it. But where that room is, it overlooks like a 90 degree turn. So, I mean, the cars are, are braking, and, and if you're on one of those ones that are drifting, I mean, so you can hear the engines, but especially the ones that are screeching as they're drifting through that 90 degree right turn. Uh, it's pretty funny. So it's like the worst possible place for it. Um, but man, the the, the the words, and obviously I pointed it out when it happened, but the humble confidence, I, I, I like that, you know what I mean? Like, I did feel, and I went back, since, since I didn't play the whole interview, after we talked, obviously a couple other people asked questions, and I came back in and I actually asked him. I said, um, did you buy into your own hype? I mean, did you buy into your own hype? Uh, because it does seem like it, there was a time where, as, I mean, you touched on it, where he just thought everything was in the bag, like, I, I got this, and I don't know if that was a product of him, or if it's a product of, like, the UFC being so behind him and giving him that Liverpool headliner. get You know what I mean? Like, like literally, the machine is behind you. I mean, you remember the conversation was like, oh, this is the new Conor McGregor. This is the new which – is, which is unfair. That's like saying that's the new Muhammad Ali or the new – I mean, there's people on different levels. But we get what they meant at the time. Just this is Europe's guy. He's going to represent this country. Obviously, represent Liverpool. But it did feel like there was so much energy behind, and you almost wonder, you know, was that even his own fault that he felt unbeatable because pretty much everybody who's putting him out there is like, look at this guy.
1: Yeah, it lends itself to a bigger conversation, right? You hear a lot of fighters say, Tyron Woodley, for example, no, they never promote me, right? You can see when the fighter is being promoted by the UFC. You can see when they've got their both barrels behind a guy. And Darren Till was that guy. I actually think they might have learned from Darren because I don't see Sean O'Malley getting quite the aggressive push, you know? That's
0: interesting, and right? He would be
1: the next guy after Darren, apart from Izzy, who I think... Well that is... I hadn't thought about that. But you're so right. You know, he, Dana said, oh, we're going to take it slow. So I think maybe they might have learned from Darren. But, um, yeah, the, the, the machine, as you said, was behind him. And... I think it's impossible. If you're a fighter, right, and you're coming up, and your dream is like, first of all, I'm going to fight in Liverpool. It happens. Next, I'm going to get a title shot. It happens. Yep. You're gonna, you're gonna have to buy into it, and and that's I think uh, for some guys that works. Look at Conor. Conor believed everything he thought, and it came true for him. Uh, I think Darren was uh, probably a victim of the machine in that sort of sense, you know, because he just he he was also young, you know. Not that he's not old; he's like 27, I think. Right. So he was only 25 when he fought for the title. 26. So crazy. So, look at John Jones, man! Like young guys, fame. not the best.
0: You know the other thing that hits me too as we're talking about that is you know you talk about Sean O'Malley. Here's a here's a guy that's from the states, which the US office has a ton of athletes to focus on. The regional offices. I mean, think about it. Like the, I'm sure most people are aware of this. There's the USC has offices around the world and. Those offices have PR people mm-hmm. and they have directors that need to justify their salaries, that need to generate, you know, revenue, that need to. So it's like if you're a regional guy, I think you get pressed even more, right? Because you're you're our guy. Whereas in the United States, I mean, as you said, I mean, I think Sean, Sean O'Malley is absolutely the next superstar. You know what I mean? Like he's got the, the fighting style. He's got the skills. but He's got the character. He's got everything. He's got all that you need, right? But the USC doesn't need to go all in on him because what? 400 people from America. I don't know. You know. I mean, the, you can key in on. Whereas in these regional markets, man, you kind of you kind of key in on one guy.
1: It's a bit like the public versus private school, right? If you go to a private school, there's less kids in your class, so you get more attention. Right. That's basically what it is.
0: That's funny. That's a good way to put it. Um, I did like too. By the way, Tills. I, mean, I think the other thing that that took out of that was Tills' understanding of the business, right? He said to everybody, "You take these big risks because the big risks come with big rewards attached to it. So you have to put yourself out there. And it is so true, man." Conor McGregor again a perfect example. Um, I mean, obviously the, the biggest star in the history of sport, but like he put himself out there, right? He took yeah. these big risks. He he. I mean, he obviously he had vision of bigger things than people even thought were possible. But he always put it out there. He didn't hold them with, inside.
1: I always thought Connor was – the thing that I thought Connor was amazing at was finding a way to raise the stakes with mm-hmm. every fight when you thought they couldn't be raised, you know. So Diaz 2, what does he do after that? He fights for another world title. You know, he's always found a way to make it seem so like true. the stakes were higher and higher. Um, Darren hasn't – you know, through no fault of his own, Darren hasn't done that. But I think I – res- I, I again, what were we talking about earlier? Self-awareness. You know, he knows. He understands. and. and Rob Whitaker Rob Whitaker's like a fighter's fighter. Do you know what I mean? Like anyone, with the exception of maybe Israel Adesanya, anyone who looks at Robert Whitaker, I think does so with an admiration and a, uh, a knowledge that this guy is like a bit of a warrior, you know? Right. So I think Darren is aware that this isn't like the Maslow fight where he was like, okay, well, this this should be a fun fight. We can go out there. We can scrap. I'll knock this guy out and move on. Like, I think Darren really is looking at, at Saturday as like, okay, this is a big one. It's a
0: marker for you, right? Yeah. So true. Uh, all right. One thing you, t- you touched on as well, man. You, t- you touched on the, the sleep schedule thing. Uh, I just want to touch on that as we're kind of winding down our time here. To me, I think that's been the biggest re- uh, revelation. And I think we're seeing more people talk about it. We, t- we touched on it a little bit as well. I mean, you know, the the, the idea coming over was – um you know the desert the heat the temperature the dryness the the humidity the you know because you go from inside to out and it's 98 percent. All, all that's what we were talking about like how is that affecting people I, mean, I don't think anybody wants to make excuses of course um but i feel like we're seeing a lot of people kind of chime in and i saw i saw jared gordon on social media talk about it i saw eric nixick a guy that we that we both respect a lot talking about it and just saying the sleep schedule here is tough and until brought it up a little bit you know but the sleep schedule here is difficult. And, and, and for Till, it was earlier in the week, and he wasn't making excuses. He was just saying, like, how they're getting adjusted and that sort of thing. Um, I think as Fight Island continues, and it's obviously going to continue, we know we're going to be back in September for at least one week, but I think probably more. Um, that, to me, is the biggest challenge for the fighters, man. It's I, the, the fighting environment's fine. You're treated like a king here. So everything you need, good. Don't even sweat it. Uh, you know, the um, – now the Usada test at 10 p.m. was a little weird on the sleep schedule with it's Alexander Volkanovski. Yeah. That was that was messed up. Usada needs to figure that out. Um, but yeah, I think it's the sleep schedule, man, and uh, I think that's the biggest challenge for everybody. Now we know. I think John Gooden was the one that put it out there that you know the the, the performances two people are working with them and they're doing the best they can. But you can have guidelines, and it's still just it's psychologically difficult, especially for an extended period of time to sleep during the day and stay up at night. Um, and I think as these fighters continue to have to deal with fight out I, I I, think that's the biggest part of it
1: to me it's easily the biggest challenge the heat thing is actually a non-factor the I agree I- in fact the arena is kind of cold yeah you know, it's I a, wear a jacket yeah, cage
0: side it's
1: really, it's really a non-factor because there's no body warmth in there from fans and mm-hmm. stuff Um, not it's not cold enough to make a difference to be clear but yeah the sleep thing is tough man because if you know it's daylight outside I feel like it's hard to go to sleep mm-hmm. and it's not like a weight cut where okay for a weight cut to happen I need to eat this much or this little, and you need to do this, right. many, this many miles. It's a very mechanical process. Trying to say, I'm going to go to sleep now is not, you can't yeah, do that. It's that's, not, that's not your body. You yeah, can't. Yeah. You're, fight, you're actually fighting, and then look, we've all been there, you know. Oh shit, what if I can't sleep? What if I can't sleep? And the next thing you know, you can't sleep because you're so worried about not being able to sleep. Mm-hmm. Admittedly, you would hope the adrenaline will help them guys out, but I'm a big believer that lack. Uh, the lack of finishes we're seeing, particularly through the middle bouts, like the first few bouts mm-hmm. of the, the last few bouts of the prelims and the first few of the main card, I think the reason we're seeing is like like quite a few, few finishes is because about from you know three to six. Your body is like, what are we doing
0: I kind of agree, man. Like, you know, you and I, I think both of us are proponents of the small cage, right? It's safe to say. I know I am, and I think you are too. I like the small cage. Um, But, you know, to Dana's point of view, the the big cage doesn't ensure that the fight's going to suck. There's just more space available. I just think when it's smaller, uh, you know, you're forced to action. But, But as we've seen the fights play out, I agree. Not that we haven't had good fights. We've had good fights. But I agree with you, man. I think a lot of the problem isn't. The, the, the cage size, and I know that's the biggest difference between the apex, I think it's the time, and I think people, as you said, especially those kind of early to, to mid, like the first fights, first fights around 1 in the morning, that's about, eh, that's about where a, 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 you know, a normal fight would be, but that mid stuff, and especially, man, we're going to this card with 15 fights, man, there's going to be a lot of fighters that are stuck in that, wait, I'm fighting at 4am, because the headliners, the main eventers, you know, the sun's starting to come up, so again, going back to just body chemistry going back to psychology like you know you could be inside warming up and at least you could peek your head out and there's sunlight outside so now you're like okay it's daytime let's go let's do this if, versus you, could, if
1: you could wake up at four for a fight at like seven or eight mm-hmm. or for eight o'clock yep. that would be i think waking up early in the morning and getting ready to go to the gym around lunch right you, that's right. that's fine that's normal but you know when do you wake up for a fight at three it's weird at one In the morning or like 10 p.m. like it's hard to. I just think it's your body knows. And even then, I
0: mean, if you think about it, like you know, the 5 p.m. weigh-ins, the the media sessions that we're doing, like technically that
1: should probably be when they're sleeping. Yeah,
0: you know what I mean. And
1: yeah, especially for the for for the 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 lower card guys, right? That is when they should be sleeping. Right, you you should be sleeping from probably. I don't know what. 9 in the morning to 10 at night. Yep. You know, some sort, like that sort of window would be when you should be asleep. And yep. we're making them come
0: sit in scales and stuff. But if you, if you gave them a morning time, it's, it's, it's all got to be not about us. It's, it's about yeah, yeah. back home. It's about back in the States. Yeah. You know, how are, the, how are the media outlets over there getting any coverage if, you know, it's the middle of the night for them? What
1: was the reason Khabib's fight wasn't like that? Do you remember?
0: I don't. I'd have to think back. And then if that's because k- what did we do? We did different time. I'm pretty sure. Oh no no no! Oh, the timing was normal. Yeah, because they were catering to the market here because it's a beep. So the uh, I I thought I, I was thinking about the media day. You mean the fight itself? The fight itself was prime time. Uh, Abu Dhabi time. Yeah, prime time. I wonder if, if they time. will do that
1: for the Adesanya Costa fight if that's it, because that's because that's not the fight island deal. That's like outside. That's it. the outside the deal. But there are no ESPN. But there's now.
0: no and there's no fans. So yeah. what's the point? That's true. That'll be interesting. It'll be something to watch. Dhabi
1: pay more money, make it normal. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that might be hey, – listen, I mean, maybe that's minutia that people don't care about, but as far as we're on the ground. Yeah, listen,
1: I, I have to wake up on time, so, yeah, it matters to me. <laughs> so you will have to deal with it.
0: All right, co-main event, Antonio Muggiero, Noguera, Mauricio, Shogun, Hua. Um, I, I will be honest, man, I, when this fight was announced, I wasn't thrilled about it. It doesn't – I mean, it, does, it doesn't It does really mean anything. Um, It's a trilogy fight for a, a, a series that's 2-0. So, I mean, it just it just didn't mean a whole lot to me. But I will say this. After we got here and we talked to both guys and realized that it's very clearly, it seems, Little Nog's last fight, yeah. and Shogun openly admitted, look, I've got like two or three left. As um, is, is weird as it may sound, that added something to it for me. I mean, these are actual, like, if you've been following this sport for a long time, if you've been a fan of this sport for a long time, this is literally the end of an era, as silly as that may sound. I mean, if you you think back to their 2005 legendary meeting, I mean, you know, their their 2015 one was fight of the night. It wasn't, you know, that kind of legendary type brawl. But um, I don't know, man. Like, again, this fight doesn't necessarily mean anything. And I could get it if if some people are like, I don't even care about this fight. As sad as that sounds, I kind of understand that. But at the same time, like, being here and realizing that these two guys are both almost done with their career – it's kind of cool to me.
1: Yeah, listen, I think uh, I, I completely agree with what you said. First of all, I understand why some people be like whatever, you know. It's MMA is a very sort of lately sport, which is fine, but if you're like a hardcore or you're a bit of a, of the, a historian of the, the sport, those pride fighters are starting to become few and far between right. now, right? And eventually the, there'll be no more pride guys left right? and that that an era is definitively closed. So look, it doesn't you know it doesn't necessarily add anything to the fight but it should add some sort of uh emotional attachment yeah. you know like come on let's look, like let's just appreciate appreciate it the the sparse moments we have left with that era while we can
0: it's crazy right man you think about like 2005 in japan and pride was you know arguably bigger than the ufc in a lot of ways and shogun
1: I, it, is pride guy like oh, he's he's completely. the pride guy possibly except for maybe
0: vandelay i completely agree yeah vandelay obviously is, is a huge one as well um, but, yeah, I mean, I, even I think in the, in the documentary they did about the um, one of those 30, 30 for 30s. They weren't 30 for 30s. Whatever they called them. The, the 25 for 25 is what they called <laughs> it. Sorry. Uh, I think Lorenzo TV even admitted at that time pride. I don't know if it was Lorenzo or Dana, but one of them said, and I was like, wow, they actually put that on record. They are like, at that time pride was bigger than we were. I'm like, good for you to actually admit yeah. it. That's the first time I ever heard it. So It's yeah. so easy to admit it when they own it. It's the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we bought it for them for pennies. Yeah. How about that? They were bigger than us, and we ah. ran them into the ground. It is funny. It makes it easy. Uh, so, yeah, I'm actually, uh, again, I'm not – do I necessarily even care about the result? I don't. I don't Man. care about the result. What I care is I'm seeing two guys fight that are marking kind of the end of an era. You know what I mean? So, uh, so I'm kind of more intrigued by this. I am intrigued by Alexander Gustafson versus Fabricio Verdun because um, Alexander Gustafson, and it, it goes right in line. With Robert Whittaker and Darren Till, um, Whittaker more especially, I guess, it probably mirrors that closely. A guy that said, "I'm done. I'm done. Like I need some time." And again, we all knew that wasn't a real retirement, <laughs> but you could tell a guy that was like, "I need. I need to get away from this for a little while. Like it's just, it's it's bugging me." And so when he comes back, and he comes back at heavyweight, there's always that question, right? Like when a guy comes back and a guy moves up in weight, you have those qu- like, all right, is <laughs> is this dude realizing? that the weight cut isn't good for him? Or is he just like, fuck it, I ain't doing that no more. <laughs> <You know> what <laughs> what I mean? Like, just be, just being kind of lazy, you know what I mean? And uh, I don't know, and talking to, to, to Alex, like, I feel like his head's in the right space. And I feel like, I and I had highlighted this, I think it was on Spinning Back Click or one of our other video series at MMA Junkie. And we were asked to pick a, a fight other than the main events that we were most looking forward to. And I said this one, and again, it's interesting, because like it's not like, it, I, I don't think it necessarily has any, like input in the rankings or whatever, but I just imagine if you're Alex and you have this all time classic with John Jones, but you lose, and then you're, you you get back to John Jones and you lose. Mm-hmm. and John Jones doesn't look like he's going anywhere in the near future. I mean, to be in a division with a champion that dominant for that long. If you're one of the top contenders that's there that whole time, I always I always make the joke like uh, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson. Like I don't know how much people follow golf. I I don't follow it a lot, but I like golf. But like Tiger Woods, obviously, you know, considered one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest of all time. Phil Mickelson was damn good. Yeah. He just happened to be right at the time of Tiger Woods. So it's just like ah, it's just another guy. Same thing. So the idea that Gustafson could 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 move to a new weight class, I really did wonder like. Could it re-energize him? Could he, now, he, now he has a fresh list. Now he has fresh questions from us. He doesn't have yeah. to hear about that. So um, I don't know. So I'm, I'm intrigued by this. And then um, when I, I'll talk about a second, but I'm intrigued by this fight.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, for, to put in Gustafson's career in, in perspective, he could go down as the guy, the best guy, never to win a world title in the UFC. I mean, he, he, I was just looking at his record here. He's lost. To, he's lost to John Jones, Rumble Johnson, Daniel Cormier, and Anthony Smith. Right. Uh, in in the UFC, I oh, knew lost Phil Davis way back in the day, but that's oh, awesome. yeah, that was yeah. ancient history. The only fight out of those recent ones you would say he should have probably won that is Anthony Smith. Correct. Everyone can lose to John Jones. Everyone has lost to John Jones. <laughs> that's uh, right, except for Matt, who just <laughs> crushed him. <laughs> uh, and and everyone loses to everyone can lose to Cormier as well. Right. And anyone can lose to Rumble. Right. So okay, maybe at the time when those guys were there's like the four big good games like heavyweight he might have come up short against the other three that doesn't look great still completely competitive you know right. so i think the time weight probably didn't favor the heavyweight move you know i don't know if it's really a move to heavyweight or just i'm coming back at heavyweight and i'll see like what happens next because you know he hasn't committed to it mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily fancy him against the big guys at heavyweight, really. You know. you know, uh, you would. Be, I think you made a joke, like, how annoying would it be for him if he won and John Jones moved <laughs> I up? I was going to ask him that, like, how annoyed would you be? And I was like, I can't do that yeah, to that I like so mean. <laughs> but, uh yeah But, yeah, again, it was not so much his shape or anything like that, but I noticed his demeanor. He was happy to be back.
0: He was. It was I felt like it was a, an Alex that we haven't seen a lot of. So, uh, in fact, let me, let's let play that. That's, that's another idea I wanted to share because uh just wanted you guys to see if uh, if you feel the same when you hear him. It just feels like a kind of, again, a happiness out of him a, a, a freshness uh, that we haven't heard. So, uh, here is uh, Alexander Gustafsson. Welcome back and uh, heavyweight. Yes, sir. Yeah, talk about what kind of went into that to say, you know, not only am I going to make a comeback, but I'm going to try it as a heavyweight.
4: That's a new challenge for me and uh, felt like it's uh, the right uh, the, the right thing to do right now. I'm, I'm a pretty big guy and uh I train and I walk around about uh, yeah like a, like a natural heavyweight so it felt very naturally for me to 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 try it out and see and see what's how it's gonna feel. I
0: was gonna say was it difficult to get to 205 in the past or is it, or did you feel like you need to bulk up for
4: this? What? No uh, I definitely not need to, to bulk up for, for the for the heavyweight class but uh it's always been a little bit of a challenge for me to to go down it is for everybody here and it's not easy for for anyone but uh I'm a pretty heavy big guy so you know it this is good i've never had a better, better training camp and than i had for this fight and i've been eating good food and feeling feeling strong and feeling healthy
0: that's awesome when you walked away what was it was it was it physical was it mental was it i mean what was it you said i i need a break from the sport for a while
4: now nah, I was just heartbroken that's all it was a tough it was a tough uh, tough fight it was in Stockholm. Uh, it was against a guy that, that I know I got the tools to beat, but I didn't. Uh, you know, obviously. But uh, and I also I felt that you know I lost I lost maybe the first round, but then I starting to to pick up the pace and, and starting to to take points and and, and win, uh, winning the fight. But then I did a mistake. And Anthony Smith is a is a high level tough guy for the first and and uh, yeah, you know it's a high level. Uh, it's on high level and everybody I'm fighting, so he saw an opportunity, took it. All credit to him, and, and he, he he submit me. So it was a, it was a tough night, and uh, my emotions and thoughts was just uh, chaos in, in my head, and then I, I I took the call.
0: How soon after did you know like Nah, I'm not gonna stay out. Like I'm I'm coming back.
4: Maybe the day after. <laughs> I <just came. laughs> no, it was, uh, I was I took a, a month, two months, and I felt uh, pretty good to be back home doing basically nothing but then i felt like i I, i'm i felt that uh, this is not the way it should end like i've done this for too long i sacrificed too much for for you know to to, to end end it like that
0: is there any part two i wonder because obviously your entire career we got to ask you about title shots and john jones rematches and you know what i mean i I see the exhaustion in your eyes when we speak no worries is this is this is this nice to me like this is like brand new like there's Fresh matchups, no expectations of ranking, I would think. I mean, is any part of that fun that it's just like...
4: It's yeah, it been... is. It is. It's, it's a new challenge for me. It's a new world, more or less for me to, to, to step up one-way class. Like I said, just the training camp has been way different than, than the other training camps. Uh, and uh, just don't have to cut weight. And, and, and fighting in Verdum, too, has been uh, is also... Uh, very motivating for me to to in training because it's a it's a tough guy and a legend of the sport. So uh, I feel relieved to, to sit there and, and fighting Verdoom on Saturday. I feel I feel good. I feel confident and uh, I'm ready to go.
0: Nice. And Last thing for me as far as like the matchup, the Verdoom itself, you know, breaking down. I'm assuming most of the guys at 205. You were keeping an eye on. You knew how they fought. You watched them. You were aware. Was this somebody? I mean, as you said, he's a legend. He's been around. But did you have to kind of? Study his game a little bit, or, or,
4: did, or did you know enough about him? I know uh, plenty of things uh, about Verdoom, but uh, I always study my opponents with my team, um, so I, I done my homework.
1: Are you moving to heavyweight with the, the idea of going for a title at heavyweight, or is the idea of two five still there?
4: Uh, I don't know. Let's see. I'm, I'm just have one fight, one fight in front of me now, and it's Verdoom, and you know. I can't answer that question right now to take it on Sunday.
1: The idea, you know, because obviously John's still the champion at 205, you know, your path to that fight again is probably a bit more complicated than if at heavyweight, you know, you get a couple of wins. Who knows? You've got a good name behind you and stuff. The UFC could give you a title shot at heavyweight. Is that something you're even thinking about or are you just focused on
2: how you're going to feel in the cage for your first fight up there?
4: No, like as my focus is on my opponent, no matter who it is. Uh, now I'm fighting Verdoom, so that's all I'm thinking of right now. But uh, when I beat Verdoom, I will take another fight, and I, let's see what's what's happening. Maybe I go down to light heavyweight. Let's let's see what happens. But right now I'm feeling really good to be in heavyweight, and I never felt this fresh for a long time. Uh, I really feel feel really good, and uh, and I'm just ready to go. And, and uh, you know, I win. I, I beat Verdoom on Saturday. And I, I I have a couple of fights behind me in heavyweight, and they give me the shot. I'm not going to say no, it's it's uh, of course. But uh, yeah, one day at a time. And
1: is there something motivating about a second career at all? You know, you, you've walked away once. Is there something motivating about, like, I know I can walk away, but now this second bit is for me, it's for fun, right? It's to just sort of fulfill the things I never got to before. Is there a different feeling
4: going into coming out of your time? Uh, well I realized I missed it a lot when I didn't do it uh, so I'm feeling very motivated to sit here today and and, and uh, I'm just feeling very like uh, I'm very I'm a lucky guy to be able to sit here again and, and to do what I love to do uh, I got some perspective on things when I when I walked out the doctor on last time and and uh, now I'm here and feeling really really good man
0: All right, there he was, the mauler. Uh, I, I think, I think, uh, sounding good, man. If I'm being honest, man, I, I really do feel. I, I, again, I, you know, and I don't, I don't know if uh, if this is a long-term move for him. He kind of talked about it, uh, but it, you know, it feels like this was worthwhile to at least get his energy back up and get his passion back up. What do you make of the sparring story? We've, we've heard the <laughs> sparring story. Uh, he says it, it didn't go well. We we spoke to Verdum after that. Verdum said. It didn't go exactly as uh, he might have recalled. Yes, I got a bloody nose, but not broken. Um, what, uh, what? What? What do you make of this sparring story?
1: I find the fact that I and I presume other people in MMA are so easily bought by shit like that <laughs> is so funny to me because I loved it. As soon as they said that I was like, Oh man, oh god, I can't wait to see the fight like that really just, just sunk me. I, I don't know why. Same as Perry and Till, that you hear these infamous sparring stories. I think maybe it's something about the fact that they, they you don't really know what happened is right. so enticing. But I will point out Gustafson
0: Yeah, in the in this day and age of like you see and hear yeah. everything, there's something you didn't get to see yeah, or hear, and, right? And
1: you know there's always like oh the street fight that they had or yeah. The, yeah, stuff like that is just always gay. So as soon as I brought it up, I was like, This is awesome. Yeah. I was actually excited. Uh it's important to know, Gustafsson didn't bring it up. Someone asked, and Vandley says that Vadoom broke your nose in sparring. Right. Gustafsson laughed and was like, no, 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 I broke his nose. I actually fucked him up pretty bad. I don't think he said fucked him up, but he's like, I beat him up pretty bad. And then Vadoom's answer was, oh, no, they two on basically two-on-one'd me. It was a setup and stuff like that. A bit weird, but it wasn't like uh, – you know, there's, there's sparring stories where it's like Perry and Till, where they both – obviously have an idea of how they feel it went. Right. And the other one disagrees. And there's sparring stories like Rockhold and Bisping, where it's like, no, no, no I clowned you that day and you know it. And the, <laughs> the other guy doesn't really say anything. <laughs> like, yeah. I got that from Virginia Stassen. Because it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't like well, we sparred when, like 10 years ago? I don't remember that. It was like, no, well, listen, <laughs> listen it wasn't a broken note. It didn't it didn't, nice break. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it was a stress fracture. Yeah, it was straight away. It, was, it, was, it, was, yeah.
0: Yeah, it was like, no, 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 no. Uh, in his bizarrely not in English interview, but um, okay, so a couple things I want to point out. Uh, first of all, all the audio that we played was only questions from you and me. I don't know if anybody noticed that. I trimmed down the interviews a little bit. Not that other people weren't asking questions; they were. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just saying. I think it's worse to say just, that, John. <laughs> I just, let, I'm not saying they were bad questions. I'm just saying, look at the quality content you get from just the two of us, man. man I can just run this thing by ourselves. <laughs> uh, but I want to say, I. And you know what? It hit me as I was kind of putting this audio together for the podcast. I hope the setup continues, man. Like, we could go back to the apex and this is all gone again. We've we've been here for so long and enjoyed that opportunity to actually talk to these athletes face-to-face, you know, do these interviews. And I just hope we're not going back to the virtual media days only. I mean, not that they don't serve a purpose, but... Gosh, I just feel like there's such a difference in understanding, and I, I mean, maybe it's selfish, but personal excitement level. You know what I mean? Like, it's just I feel like it, we we're more invested, and we know more. I feel like we know more when we get to have these face-to-face conversations. We and again, we can convey more about uh, about you know what what we're seeing and what we're experiencing. So you know, I hadn't actually thought of that to be honest. I it's think scary, I right? think the Fight Island thing had been
1: so sort of segregated Da-da. in my mind from reality, uh, but I. Unfortunately, I think that's probably not going to happen. You know, I, I think the commission in Nevada is
0: stricter, and it's only going to get more
1: strict. So, you know, uh, I don't. I, I think I this, don't these I think last we, I think we're
0: things for a while. Well. That was that was it. Hopefully, everybody enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> Fabrizio Verdun, by the way, um, did his interview in Portuguese, uh, and Derek Lee was there, uh, who's obviously a great translator. But it was interesting, right, that he chose to do it in Portuguese. Uh, He very clearly speaks English, um, has obviously done so on record for years and years and years. I think I've been interviewing him for probably 10 years at this point, and I've never had him use a translator. I thought it was interesting. I gather from Fabrizio Verdum that this is the last finalist deal. He wants out of his deal. And I think the idea would be, I think the idea was that in speaking in Portuguese, and obviously, you know, Derek can't translate everything word for word. It's the things are too damn long, you know what I mean? But my, my belief, and this is just me kind of, kind of, you know, assessing the situation, is that he knows he can be more politically correct in Portuguese. He can answer a question and make sure he doesn't say something wrong because that's his first language. He's, you know, not that he doesn't know English well, but he might say something a little bit wrong. I got the feeling that uh, that that's why he elected to do it. In fact, it was so crazy because we didn't know he was speaking Portuguese with the Brazilian media, and we were like, "What are they even talking about?" Yeah. And so we were like, we "We're like, if you want to do your, your interview, and if you want to do Portuguese first, do Portuguese, and then we'll do English after." And he's like, "No, no, no, I want to wait for a translator." And it was like,
1: in the translation, like,
0: Really? Yeah. Even yeah. Derek's like, "Why do you need me to translate? Like, you speak English." Um, I thought that was interesting. I thought that was I thought that was interesting. So, uh, all right, listen, I want to get to a couple of questions from from some listeners. I've, I've been sitting on these for a little bit. I wanted to get through some of the Fight Island stuff. Uh, but to start out with Jared Sorensen, I thought you'd be the perfect man, Oscar, to weigh in on this. said, hey, guys, I have a, a question. I'm starting to tell my friends I think an empty arena makes for better fights, even with the big cage. He's like, I know how powerful the crowd can be, and I understand uh, a crowd can elevate a fighter. But my new opinion I've made is that when there's a good exchange, sometimes fighters take a break when the crowd gives an ovation and they kind of soak it in a little bit. He's like, I'm starting to think a fighter might just throw some stuff that he knows isn't coming close just because that crowd will give the ooh and the ah and it'll it'll be all there. So he said, to tie it all together, when I'm watching these fights with no fans, I feel like I'm watching a bunch of fighters just trying to kill. Now, again, this was before Fight Island. Maybe maybe we got a little bit of a couple slow ones, but I I, I kind of wanted to soak it all into that. And he actually said, you know, the end of, like, Poirier-Hooker, and the, it felt like the Ross example, but then you have, like, Hooker-Felder, Yair Stevens uh, of crowds sustaining a fight. So there's, there's so many variables in play, right, between you and I have been at all of these experiences, right? We've been at – think of how crazy 2020 is. We've been at – Big Vegas pay-per-views, Florida empty arena, Apex empty arena, small cage, Fight Island, big cage, empty ar- not arena, empty building, yeah. um, middle of the night. So he's. Do you think the fights are better without the crowds?
1: I think it's six of six of. Whatever the fuck that expression is. Six this of Larry, half
0: a dozen of a lamb. That's, <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> Six of one, half dozen of the other. That's, yeah, I, I, really, <laughs> I, think, I think
1: for everything you, you lose without the fans, you gain something without them, you know? So, But I don't necessarily think that definitively makes one better than the other. I mean, uh, Romero, Adesanya with no fans, I don't think would be more interesting, <laughs> you know? So true. It so might true. not have been fucking shit on as much, right. but I think uh, it's not. I think that would have probably been more dull, you know? Right. Um, I think there's certain little little tweaks you get without fans that I prefer. I do think you get a lot like a uh, I don't like it when fans boo. You oh, know, I agree. I really don't like it and I and I I'm I'm glad that's gone.
0: Yeah, we haven't had the woos, we haven't had the boos. Fuck, I
1: forgot maybe they'll die out now. Oh, please. I hope makes, so. Um uh, or increase. I hope so. Um but yeah, no, th- that stuff I'm I'm glad is gone. Um and I do appreciate the rawness of it. I think it's, f- it's easily as cap it's probably more captivating without an audience. See, that's but what it's kick- less of an experience.
0: Here's what I think what I think is and I think you touched on a lot of it and when I was considering the answer to this question, I think for the lower to mid tier fights, it's better. Yeah. As you said, no booze. Yeah, yeah, I agree. No with that. no random. Dude, yelling, kick his ass, sea bass, or put him in a body bag, or whatever. You know what I mean? We should just get one guy to do that every event. <laughs> do that. Remember in Brazil, yeah, the first in yeah. that Mick Maynard, but he was Woo. like, "Woo, yeah. That was amazing. Um, yeah, so, so I like that, man. As you said, you miss out on on certain, but you, man, the, the the sounds, obviously, that everybody's getting to hear that you know we've been able to hear for a long time, but I think that, that you know you're seeing more on the broadcast now, feeling more on the broadcast, like that to me is is amplified. It's better. But you know, okay. So you mentioned like, uh, uh, you know, uh, the Adesanya Romero fight. But 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 think about like Joanna and Jane Wiley, Like yeah, you know that or the fucking crowd. Well, can is you going can crazy. you can you imagine the crowd in Ferguson? Oh, Gaethje, Like exactly. when he
1: when he dropped Gage at the end of the second. How right? crazy the crowd! I oh, you get that,
0: that like as you're in between rounds and there's that buzz going on and where everybody's just like, oh my god, did you see that?
1: And then on the flip side, I feel like if you watch like Masvidal Askrin with no crowd it felt like someone
0: just watched a murder Yeah, you know it's yeah,
1: so silent
0: <laughs> right? can you imagine So I'd, yeah I'd, because it, it'd be like uh, it'd be like um, uh, Rosenstrug getting knocked out yeah, by, yeah, by yeah. the guy that and felt and It felt fucking like a snuff like film his, <laughs> it really did right it's just like he killed the guy and he's just like in there, this yeah is so I'm trying I'm
1: trying to think because I'm not I, I know as media where you know you're not supposed to react and I'm a very reactive sort of person right. but when I'm at the cage I'd stay quiet right. but if I'm in the back and no one's around I'll be a fan um, I'm trying to remember the biggest reaction I've had. I think the biggest reaction I've had since this all started was probably Cody's knockout. Mm-hmm. But even then, it was less. You know, it's easier to be like, "Holy fucking shit!" when you yep. can hear 10,000 people doing the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So I, d- I do, I do miss the fans. But like you said, only for the big fights. That's only for it. the only for the dramatic fights. Like Poirier versus Hooker in front of a crowd would have been off
0: the chain. Yep.
1: But for the middle fights and and. I think it's more captivating.
0: So ideally, moving forward, once COVID nineteen is in the, is is in the rear view and we get a vaccine for this thing, we want, What we do is we don't allow the crowds in until the main event, basically, right? But they have <laughs> to they have to drink outside. <laughs> yeah. They have
1: to be drinking outside.
0: You, you hold them outside. They all drink. They yeah. get ready, and then they filter in for the main event, and, uh, and yeah, that's, yeah. that would be ideal. Yeah. I, I will say the the, the other things that I do think it impacts um, judging because I always say like the, the judges 100%. the judges are not the, the hometown judge the hometown desi- they're they're not. But they can't, like, you can't help but be influenced by people going,
1: oh, ah, yeah, yeah. oh, Maybe hit him from, and I didn't see it. Yeah. Even though,
0: yeah, the, the even though the glove blocked. You know what I mean? So the, I think that's a little bit. And, and again, the, I, this middle-of-the-night stuff is tough, man. And I imagine that if there was a crowd, you'd probably get that adrenaline spike a little bit more than, than you would.
1: Yeah, it's funny the judges thing, right? Because I thought maybe having no crowd would really prove that judges aren't completely incompetent. And then... That's, yeah, not
0: the <laughs> That's not the case. That's uh, not the case. All right, another question we had, uh, and, and this one kind of just falls on me. Was Matt Cottrell? He reached out. He said, "Do you know if any of the recent retirees, quote unquote, uh, McGregor, Jones, Sohudo, Mazudal, Obviously, uh, this was before the Mazadol fight was booked. A couple weeks ago, I, like I said, I held on these before Fight Island uh, dropped out of the USADA testing pool. Uh, so here's the, so I reached. Uh, so here's the thing, and I hadn't done this in a while, so I kind of mm-hmm. forgot. So I reached out to USADA um, and asked if they could, uh, if if they could tell me like who's in the pool and who's not. And they said uh, the, the word from USADA was active status, and thus testing pool status is dictated by the USC, so I'll have to defer to them for comment on that. Uh, so I reached out to Jeff Nowitzki, uh, to USC, and he said, uh, he said, hey, we don't make disclosures on inclusion or exclusion from the USADA program as it relates to fighters' retirement slash non-retirement status. That's up to each fighter to disclose if they wish. So
1: how did we find out Brock Lesnar pulled out?
0: Well, he did say testing numbers are publicly available at the website. So if you want to see, there is, I know, like, uh, Aaron Bronstad, I think, is one that's really good about, like, updating this. But if you want the website, it's UFC.USADA.org slash testing slash results slash athlete dash test dash (laughs) history.
1: Well, Google USADA UFC and it's (laughs) the second one. Or do that. That (laughs) was much easier. So
0: so anyone can monitor whether or not fighters are, are actively being tested. Um, USADA had delayed updates to this over the last several months as the testing numbers decreased due to, due to COVID issues, but they have recently begun updates again as things are opening uh, back up around the world. By the way, this relates to a tweet uh, earlier. I, I'm sure that, that most people have seen. Um, we in Q2. Well, Q3.
1: We're, uh, we're rapid.
0: No, we're Q3 now. Yeah, first 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 uh, month of Q3. Um, okay. Yana Kuniskaya said that. Uh, we got. Him, well, just when got tested in Q two, <laughs> there you go. So within the last three months, um, Yana Kuniskaya said uh, Jones in Q three. So there you go. So there you go. They're still active. You know they ain't retired. Come on, they ain't so retired. Who died? Ooh, mm-hmm. when was Fudita last tested? Uh, so so why you find that <laughs> yeah. uh, Yana Kuniskaya and Tiago, or uh, said that her and Tiago Mejeta Santos had been uh, in Russia and Brazil, or were the Thailand and Brazil?
1: Uh, I think it's about Thailand. Uh, and yeah, Thailand and Brazil. Thailand and
0: Brazil. And had not been uh, tested in, in quite some time. We reached out to Isada for comment on that, and they actually said they're going to uh, they're going to be sending us some data on how many tests were done per region, that sort of thing. So, it'll uh, be interesting
1: in those Thailand.
0: Just see what uh, when was Suhyun tested last? q Okay, so pres- so, but but they're all. Well, this
1: isn't their fault. Like the world's
0: just Travis Brown. Travis Brown still in there? Go testing Q3. What? So he's been <laughs> tested the last three weeks. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Jesus, <laughs> I literally, I just saw it as I was scrolling down. Um, no Rousey, though. Um,
0: That's interesting.
1: How about that? Fucking what about old uh, Phil Brooks?
0: Punk? Uh, he's Nah. I yeah, bet he's not being tested. By the way, I'll be back on the mic with yeah, him in yeah. August. I'm excited. What, great you're segue you're there. You're welcome, bro. CFFC back in action on USC Fight Pass. We're doing back-to-back next five championship fights coming your way. Make sure you signed up for USC Fight has. Pass. He's still getting tested? <laughs> Three times this year. That's awesome. I always want to sit down and just do this with him. I wonder if he'd do, but I feel bad, like, because it's like after weigh-ins and stuff like that. So, dude, that's uh, crazy that he got tested. Like, when did he last get tested? Sorry, sorry, listeners. No, I know uh, this isn't. Yeah, this is great. This is how we. Uh, this is how we roll. You know, it's just
1: yeah. So he got tested three times this year. Oh that's fucking wow. more than like Sir <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's got to be like, why are you showing up to my house? Like, I think they probably do it for entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a good dude, man. That's awesome. All right, listen, uh, 15 fight cards. There's a ton of stuff to look at, man. We're not going to go through this fight by fight, obviously. We'll talk about it afterwards on the and a half episode over at patreon.com. But but anything stand out to you? I mean, listen, um, you know, Carlos Esparza and Marina Rodriguez, not necessarily a high-profile matchup, but it does have some meaning. Um, Paul Craig and, and Gadzi Morda and Tigilov, just something weird is going to happen. You just know I mean, yeah. it, weird things happen in Paul Craig fights. Obviously, I think probably the, the, the exciting high-profile addition of Konzat Shimeyev uh, yeah. to the main card. to uh, so not only the card, but the main card, you know, fighting on uh, on a week-and-a-half uh, turnaround is awesome. Um, you know, a ton of European talent on the on the prelims. Uh, Tanner Bozer stepped in. We like Tanner Bozer. He's fun. But uh, anything standing out to you most that you're saying, hey, man, Make sure you, uh, you know, make sure the, 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 the listeners pay attention to this one or, or you're just excited about personally. It's not
1: so much fights that stand out, but there are fighters that stand out. Like you said, Paul Craig's always good value because some fucking weird shit always happens. Mm-hmm. And Alex Livier is good value for a good fight. I think the Kazmat versus McKee fight is uh. probably, like you said, probably the, the fight to pay attention to. I'm interested in seeing Tom Aspinall, um, English guy, Till, training partner. I'm interested to see Mike Grundy for the same reason. Yeah, Tanner Bowes is great value. Bechka Hay is also fighting, uh, <laughs> but Nathaniel Wood, <laughs> <laughs> Nathaniel Wood is also I think is um, it's unfortunately yes. he's not fighting Namagomedov. Yes. I was really looking forward to that fight, even though I know fuck all about Umar Namagomedov apart from his last name. But um, Nathaniel Wood is I think a very talented bantamweight, and I think uh, I actually think despite what we said earlier, I think his regent hurts him. Right, because you get some guys they push to be the face of the region globally, and then you get the guys that are like, you only ever get to fight here. (laughs) That's true, right? Like Ty Tuvaso is never fighting in Las Vegas again. He's in Australia, you know, like that. And that actually, I think, hinders them until they can break out to the point where they're like, no, now you have to put me in the States. I think Nathaniel Wood's there. I think they want him to just stack up the... uh, Stains Blum playing in the restaurant, good choice. Um, excuse me, that was a tangent. But no, I think I think he's the guy they want fighting on every UK card. I think that's a shame
0: because I think he's actually very very talented. I agree. Listen, I uh <coughs> I'm assuming the pacing of this fight card is going to be very fast. There's 15 fights on it. That's insane. Like normally, you know, a big pay per view is 13, and that's that's the most. So they're going to have to cram these in. It is on ESPN, and ESPN Plus. So I think you know from an overall entertainment value. I'm thinking it might be a fun night of just basically, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. So even if you're not necessarily like overly jacked about one fight or another, I don't think you're going to be stuck with, uh, and, and again, I haven't talked to the production team, but it's just me guessing on what they've got, you know, what they have to get done here. Um, and especially considering we all jump on a plane about eight hours after mm. the fight's over to go home, I got to think they're just going to be like, let's run these fights. There's not going to be commercials, packages, videos. Over and over.
1: Oh, yeah, I think so too, and uh, look, there are other promotions out there that book like forty-six fights, and it takes about eight days to get through them. Um, I d- I'm, because the schedule's the same, right? They start at the same time, That's and the right. main card starts at the same yep. time, right? So you assume they're gonna be like as long as there's not enough nut shots to keep them delayed. <laughs> like it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty quick, and I think. Hey,
0: what are you doing? Okay, what are you doing? <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I think. <laughs> Shout out to Mark Goddard. Yeah, um, but I think. Uh, I think the pacing will help make you feel it'll probably actually feel
0: quicker than a regular fight night. I think so too. I'm fucking hoping. <laughs> I'm banking on it anyway. <laughs> awesome. All right, well listen, we're gonna we're gonna pack up. We're actually gonna go see a uh face off. it was it sprung on us at the last minute. We didn't know what was gonna happen, but we are gonna get to see uh Whitaker and Till do a face off in the octagon on the beach. Uh so we're gonna go get that done. I'm sure by the time you listen to this it'll all have been well done at that point, but we'll we'll have that all posted up and uh Yeah. We'll be back for and a half on the weekend. So if you want that, that'll be our our parting shots from Fight Island as I'm sure we're halfway delirious. It'll be early in the morning. We'll have our bags packed ready to go because we're leaving the airport shortly after we get done recording. And uh, I look forward to it. In the meantime, what to say thanks for listening.